Strength is the rising tide that lifts all ships. If you get stronger, you're most likely going to get faster. You're going to jump higher. You're going to change direction more efficiently, and you're going to be more robust. You're going to be more injury resilient. Yeah, straight A student, but I'm friends with a cool kids. Following the rules and the rubric. Welcome to the GT Performance Podcast, where we have a conversation dedicated to long-term athlete development so you can help your athlete get faster, stronger, healthier, and prepared for real-world success. My name is Dr. Zach Geiser, and I am a sports performance coach, physical therapist, girl dad, and nerd about all things athletics. Today, we're going to have a conversation about strength training. So we're going to talk about why strength development even matters in the first place when it comes to developing athleticism that's apparent on game day. And we're going to also talk about how you can use our strength levels to sift through the massive amount of misinformation that exists on the internet and do things that are appropriate for your athlete at their stage of development so you can maximize their athletic development without compromising their health and safety in the process. So let's get today's conversation rolling. I just Googled best strength training program, and oh my goodness, talk about a massive amount of information. Let me read some of this stuff off to you. So we've got what is the most effective strength training program? What is the 532 strength program? What is the 61225 method? What is the 531 method? What is the three-day maximal strength show by Shiko, Sons, Mad Cow, 5x5 for intermediate advanced, Building the Monolith, GZCL intermediate, Wendler 531, GZCLP for novice intermediate, strong lifts 5x5, bigger, faster, stronger, powerlifting polka. It's absurd. There are a million different people out there claiming to have developed the best strength training program. And when if you have that many people claiming to have the best method, the only thing that's apparent is there is no such thing as the best method. Context is going to be king. But we're going to take a step back first and I'm going to talk about why strength training matters in the first place. So we're going to nerd out here for a second, but bear with me because I promise you we're going to get back to the nitty gritty, the X's and O's, the practical stuff here really soon. But this is important. I want to make sure you understand the context behind why we are doing what we're doing. Uh, But when it comes to developing athleticism, what we're really looking to do is develop movement. So we're looking to improve movement. Now, there's a million different expressions of that movement. The the orientation of the movement can be different. The magnitude, so the amount of movement can be different. How fast that movement is produced uh, can change, and the the timing of that, that movement can be different. There's a million different expressions of that movement, but it's all movement nonetheless. And in order for any movement to occur, we need a preceding force. So a force can be defined as any interaction that, when unopposed, will result in a change in motion of an object. And a slightly simpler way to think about that would be just to define it as a push or pull on an object. So for any movement to occur within us at all, we either need an object to put force on us, but more commonly, we need to put force into an object so that that object puts force back into us through Newton's third law, which is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And strength comes into play because strength is simply a quantification of the magnitude of force that you can produce. It's simply a measure of how much force you can produce. So the more force you can produce, the more powerful movements you can create. So the more force you put in the ground when you're trying to sprint, the faster you're going to accelerate outwards. The more force you put in the ground when you go to change direction, the quicker you're going to get in and out of your brakes. The more force you can put in the ground whenever you're trying to jump up, the higher you're going to jump. 
Strength is the rising tide that lifts all ships. If you get stronger, you're most likely going to get faster. You're going to jump higher. You're going to change direction more efficiently, and you're going to be more robust. You're going to be more injury resilient. There are some caveats because strength is specific to the skill that you're trying to do, and also there is a strong enough threshold where once you get strong enough, you no longer see those translations to other abilities, but those are not relevant at this point in your athlete's career. If you're a youth or high school athlete, I can almost guarantee you you're not at the strong enough threshold, and getting generally stronger is going to have significantly positive impacts on your game day performance. So we know that if we want to get faster, if we want to jump higher, if we want to do all those things that actually translate on game day, we need to get stronger. So what's the best way to go about getting stronger? And as I alluded to earlier, there simply is not a best way. And the quote unquote best method is going to change over time as an athlete moves further into their strength career. What's appropriate at one stage and one point in time is not going to be appropriate later on. So there's a million different ways to skin this cat, but I've developed a system that allows us to figure out what exactly we're trying to accomplish at each stage. So it's not as important what the actual X's and O's are of each program, as long as they follow the general principles that we're trying to accomplish at each stage in the athlete's development. So I refer to this system as our strength levels. So what strength levels do is they allow us to clearly define the objective that we're trying to accomplish at each stage by identifying the missing linchpin quality and allowing us to program for that. So what is the thing that is going to give us the biggest bang for our buck? What do they not currently have that we need to develop that's going to allow them to have more success in the future when it comes to strength training? We bucket strength development into four levels. Level one, our only focus is on developing technical competency. So we need to make sure that movement looks pristine. We don't want to add load to garbage movement because that only compounds issues down the road. Level two, our main missing component that we need to focus on is the ability to strain. So the ability to push through things. Level three, our main missing component is that they're not at the strong enough threshold yet. Level four, once they've hit that strong enough threshold, we then graduate them from the strength levels and move on to having other things as our priority that give a bigger ROI than continuing to add strength. In level one, the only thing we care about is improving technique. Like I said, we don't want to add load to garbage movement. We want to make sure we have a clean slate to work with. So there's absolutely no emphasis on load. Will we put some very light weights in their hand? Sure, but it's nothing that's going to add any significant load to the system. This is something we look at during their initial evaluation. We check to see, do they have competency in our four major movement patterns? So that's, do they have competency within a squat, a hinge, a press, and a row? Many of our athletes will pass right through that on day one of the initial evaluation. They'll progress straight to level two, or even for some athletes, it's straight to level three, depending on their age and training status. If they don't pass through that technical competency check, then we need to make sure that becomes our primary focus and we keep them in level one. So in order to actually improve their technical proficiency, we do that through repeated exposures of both the patterns and the positions. So the pattern refers to how do we get in and out of the movement each time. So if you're thinking about a, a squat, it's the lowering and the coming up. The position refers to what position do they get into at the bottom. So we want to train both the patterns and the positions. They're both equally important because you'll see all the time athletes who end up in great positions down at the bottom, but have really funky ways of getting down there that are not going to be optimal for their long-term development. With good coaching, this really isn't a long process. Most of our athletes will progress through level one. Um, if they don't do it during our initial evaluation, they're for sure going to do it within a single four-week training block where they're going to have uh, 
a high degree of technical competency after that. After technical competency is achieved, we then go on to level two, where we start to focus on neural strength adaptations. So again, this is a little bit of a nerdy section, but it's pretty well established that whenever you start strength training, most of your gains come through neurological adaptations. And what that means is your nervous system becomes more efficient. So those in level two have not yet developed those neurological adaptations. They don't have an efficient nervous system. You'll see it all the time where an athlete can just burn through 15 reps with 20-pound dumbbells like it's absolutely nothing, and then you put the 25s in their hand and they get buried on rep one or two. The physiological reason for this is that they don't have the ability to enhance motor unit recruitment and have high-level motor unit synchronization. So a motor unit is a motor neuron and all the muscle fibers that it controls. So one motor neuron will control a bunch of different muscle fibers. You have some small motor units. Those are going to be things that control your fingers where you need very precise movements. So you only want to have a motor unit that controls a very small number of muscle fibers. And you have very big motor units. Those are going to be in your quads and your big muscles like your glutes that are closer to your, the center of your body. So that way you can produce a lot of force with one motor unit. An untrained individual is unable to recruit the right motor units at the right time. So they're not able to maximize what their body is able to do because their nervous system isn't efficient enough. We call this the ability to strain. They just don't have the ability to push through a really tough rep and still complete it. And we all know what that looks like. We can picture one of our buddies grinding through a heavy bench press whenever we were in high school and really pushing for a long time. It takes four or five seconds for the rep to complete, but they're still able to complete it. Whenever an untrained individual gets under the bar, gets under some weights though, whenever they start to struggle a little bit, the weight just drops right back down. They can't strain. They can't push through a set. At this point, we are ready to layer load on top of technique and emphasizing the high quality technique is something that never goes away. That's always important. Uh, we build on from level to level, but we are able to load at this point in time. They just don't have the ability to recruit and synchronize motor units to progress intensity. So intensity refers to the amount of weight on the bar. So instead of really focusing on progressing the amount of weight that they lift, we're focusing on progressing the amount of reps that they do. As we progress through volume, so that's the number of reps that they do, they learn how to push through those tough reps. They learn how to strain. They learn how to recruit more motor units, and they learn how to synchronize those motor units. This is something that we don't really have a strict, uh, quantifiable, objective standard of whenever they've passed and they're ready to go on to level three. It's more something that you can subjectively observe. If somebody's really starting to strain on their tough sets and still able to push through, still be able to complete those reps, that's when we know they've learned the ability to strain. They're starting to get the ability to push through um, tough reps. They're starting to get the ability to recruit higher level motor units and synchronize those at the right time. That's when they're ready to progress to level three. Now, level three is where our athletes are going to spend the most amount of time at, and that's whenever we're chasing the strong enough threshold. So explaining the level three development process does not make sense if we first don't explain the strong enough threshold. And the strong enough threshold is something that is a debated topic within the sports performance, strength and conditioning, physical therapy community. Um, it's relatively universally acknowledged that it exists. Where exactly it exists is something that's hotly debated, though. 
So the strong enough threshold refers to the point where chasing improvements in strength development no longer has a positive return on investment. As you get stronger and stronger, the effort and time that it takes to improve your strength outputs becomes significantly more extensive. You can think about it this way. It's really, really easy to take somebody's deadlift from 135 pounds to 185 pounds but there is a great chasm between 455 pounds and 505 pounds. It's going to take a lot more time. It's going to take a lot more effort. It's going to take a lot more energy to do the latter than it is the former. Now, we're not afraid of hard work that's put in for a long period of time, so that's not what's going to stop us, but the return on actual sport-specific key performance indicators like sprinting, like power development, like agility tests, like actual game day performance dwindles the further you get into your strength training career. So the stronger you get, the less return on investment you get for that time and energy it took to get stronger when it comes to actual game day performance. If strength training maintained the high correlation to speed, agility, and power development that it has in the early stages of training, then the strongest people in the world would also be our fastest people, our highest jumping people, our best change of direction people. But that's just not the case. There's not any world record power lifters that are competing in the Olympic 100 meter dash or performing on Sundays in the NFL. There's just not a one-to-one correlation after a certain point. The risk to reward ratio as well starts to trend in a negative direction. At some point, putting 700 pounds on your back is a risky endeavor that comes with almost no reward when it comes to performing your sport. And this strong enough threshold for most athletes in most positions comes well before anywhere near 700 pounds in any lift. You'll notice it when you start to see athletes get hurt more and more. Their body just doesn't feel right. They're not seeing the same level of progress that they used to have when it comes to on-field metrics or our sport-specific KPIs. After you've met the strong enough threshold, the time that it would take to develop more strength would be better spent performing other training modalities. Time is finite and we want to make sure we maximize our ROI. Now, the hard part here is there is no objective strong enough metric. There have been numbers that have been put out, but it's all highly context dependent. Collision sport athletes, if you think about offensive linemen, have heavily strength dependent sport demands. So they need to continue to chase strength longer. So their strong enough threshold is going to be much higher than, say, an elastic based athlete like a basketball player, um, specifically a perimeter player that have less heavy strength demands. So they hit their strong enough threshold much sooner. Dr. Matt Rea is a well-known sports scientist who has been um, with Alabama, Indiana, IMG Academy, and he's currently with the New Orleans Saints, I believe. He's put out the number, I think, 1.73 times body weight on a back squat stops translating to continued improvements in maximal speed development. Like I just mentioned, there are other factors than maximal speed development that strength training continues to help us with. So that's not the only number or the only metric that matters. Um, It's more something that you observe. When you find that improving strength stops improving game day performance and sports specific KPIs, you've likely reached the strong enough threshold. When you find yourself getting nicked up more often in the weight room and your body just doesn't feel as good as it used to when it comes to being in the weight room, you've probably reached your strong enough threshold. But until we've met that strong enough threshold, we want to continue to chase strength. So during level three, our objective is to chase that strong enough threshold. Our athletes have now unlocked the capacity to strain so we can progress with both volume and intensity. Uh, We'll talk more about the X's and O's of programming, but we're actually going to cycle between both of them. 
once they reach level four, so once they've hit that strong enough threshold, it's not that we completely abandon strength entirely. We just shift strength to a more of a maintenance phase. We'll still do heavy lifts, but they don't become a priority focus for us where we are chasing more strength gains. If we get stronger, cool, but it is not the primary objective. So our programming becomes more conjugate in nature. We do more advanced methods. We put higher focus, higher priority on other training modalities. That could be skill development, that could be sprint development, could be agility development, or it could be simply limiting injury risk by doing more uh, prehab rehab type stuff. We just have to identify what their new linchpin quality is. It is absurdly rare for a high school athlete to actually hit this strong enough threshold, so it's not something you really need to worry about this point in time. It does come into play significantly with our college athletes, though. So now that we actually know what principles we're trying to chase, the X's and O's become important. So we know what our linchpin qualities are. We know what exactly our objective is. Now we need to learn the tactics, the, the X's and O's of how to actually execute that. In level one, our programming should repeatedly expose the athlete to the major movement patterns and positions. Remember, this is all about developing technique. So we'll do GPP type of programming. So that's general, general physical preparedness, where we're doing roughly three to five sets of roughly six to eight reps on bilateral lifts and roughly five uh, reps each on unilateral lifts. Um, you want to use a controlled tempo, so something like two seconds going down, two second pause at the bottom, two seconds going up works just fine, but the general principle is you want to make sure that they have a lot of reps going into and out of the movement and making sure that they're getting into the right positions at each end of the spectrum. In level two, our programming should allow for progression through volume with higher set and rep schemes. Remember, we cannot progress with loads and intensity at this point in time. Now, that doesn't mean we, we never increase the weight. We absolutely do increase the weight, but we don't um, ramp up specifically with load. We try to progress with volume, and if load is able to be progressed as well, we will do that. Um, so we want to give them the opportunity to learn how to strain. We want to give them the opportunity to learn how to struggle. Our nervous system uh, is very adaptable, but you have to give it reasons to adapt. You have to make sure you put it in positions that it has to learn how to strain. It has to learn how to synchronize those motor units. It has to learn how to tap into the bigger motor units. So um, I use uh, APRE 10 a lot with this group. So APRE stands for autoregulatory progressive resistance exercise. There's um, three, six, and 10 models. I use the 10 model for our level two athletes. I think it's really good because um, it allows for them to progress with as many reps as they can with a specific weight for their last two sets. Um, so it really gives a lot of ample opportunity to uh, develop those neurological adaptations that we're looking to get. We also can use things like a build 8, 10, 12 program where we progress from eight reps one week, 10 reps the next week, 12 reps the next week, and then we stay at 12 and see if we can progress load on that week four. Once they've passed through level two and they're on level three, they've now unlocked the capacity to strain. Our programming can now include higher intensities and lower volumes. It could also include um, the same higher volumes, lower intensities, and we actually prefer to cycle through them. So I like to progress from emphasizing high volume and low intensity to emphasizing low volume, high intensity. Um, I just repeat that until the strong enough threshold is reached. This is something where strength training becomes ridiculously overcomplicated by some people. Uh, the base Basics work really, 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 really well here. You just have to execute them at a ridiculously high level. 
So I'll run from something like straight 12s to an APRE 6 to a APRE 3 or straight 3 program. Then I'll cycle back up. I'll go back to our higher volumes. So we'll do an APRE 10 or a straight 12 program down to straight 5s, APRE 3. So we're basically going from high reps like 12s to mid reps like 6 or 5s to low reps like 3s. Importantly, with our prepubescent athletes, I'm never going to drop down to three reps. I'm pretty much never going to go below six reps. And even that's more of a rarity. Most of the time, level two progression and puberty go hand in hand, depending on uh, when they start training. Some of our uh, prepubescent athletes will hit level two threshold uh, before they actually hit puberty. Um, But we're still going to stay at uh, six reps or above for them. They just don't have the physiological capacity to have uh, adaptations with muscle mass that we'd be looking to uh, elicit with some lower rep schemes. Um, It's just not worth the risk reward ratio at that point in time. So um, yeah, big picture though, once they're at level three, we cycle from high volume with low intensity. So that means a lot of reps with lighter weights all the way down to heavier weights with lower reps. And then we cycle back through and we repeat that process with a bunch of different variations until they reach that strong enough threshold. I promise you it sounds simple, but it works really, really well. Never underestimate the power of consistent, intense, and intentful hard work. Once they reach level four, again, that is when our strong enough threshold has been met. Strength is no longer our linchpin quality, and we need to save time to invest in other areas. So our programming becomes more truly conjugate in nature. That means we work... um, heavy reps, we work light reps, we work speed reps all within the same week, and we use more advanced methods, things like surfing the force velocity curve, Um, we'll do more contrast training, things of that nature, Um, but it's super rare for a high school athlete to reach this threshold. All right, we're going to cut it there, and we're going to make a part two to this where we actually talk about how you choose which exercises to do, how you choose which movement patterns you need to do um, so you can apply these sets and reps appropriately. So that ends our conversation for today. If you feel like you got some benefit from this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or anything I can help you out with, please feel free to email me at zach at gtperformance.co. Go be yeah, greater straight than. A student, but I'm friends with the cool kids. Ooh. Following the rules and the rubric. Freestyle on the bus and it's too lit.